The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Many citizens have voted for the SPD because they want a change of government and because they want the name of the next Chancellor to be Olaf Schultz. A very warm welcome, everybody, to our special coverage of the German federal elections. Well, what a remarkable night Annette and I have had. So exciting to see these early exit polls come in and now preliminary official results. And at this point, it is incredibly close with both parties claiming in some sense that they have the right to form the next government. But ultimately, the reality is this is probably the worst showing we've seen from the Conservative Centre, the CDU, CSU, since 1949. Armin Laschet, though, still thinks he has a chance. We'll do everything we can to form a government under the Union's leadership, because Germany now needs a coalition for the future that modernises our country. So the Green and the Liberal Free Democrats become kingmakers as um, negotiations are now looming. That could pave the way for Germany's first three-party coalition since the 1950s. This federal election gives the FDP a special responsibility. We do not underestimate the dimension of the challenges, quite the contrary, but we are ready to make our contribution. We have a mandate not only for future generations, but you can sense that this country needs a renewal, a real awakening, and above all, this country needs a climate government. Evergrande's EV unit tumbles in Hong Kong as it issues a call for cash and scraps A-share listing plans, while investors look ahead to another bond payment deadline on Wednesday. And elsewhere in the UK, well, they're considering calling in the army, believe it or not, to deliver fuel as panic buying, buying bleeds the forecourts dry, with BP saying one in three of its stations has run out. Right, so as Jeff said, huge night in Germany. Germany is on track, though, for its first tri-party coalition since the 1950s, as the centre-left Social Democrats edged out the ruling Christian Democrat Party. But both fell well short of a majority, according to the latest results. Now, the country is set for prolonged coalition talks. It could be next year before we know who the next chancellor is, with the Greens and the pro-business FDP said to be kingmakers in any new government. Now, it is the CDU's worst election performance since the Second World War, uh, as incumbent Chancellor Angela Merkel steps down after 16 years in power. Speaking as the results rolled in, the leaders of both parties claimed victory and a mandate to form a government. We have at this time no certain end results, no certain numbers, but we can already say we can't be satisfied with the result. Still, the result of this election is as of yet completely unclear. The SPD gets a lot of support from its citizens and that is a mandate to make sure that everything that was discussed in this election campaign will be implemented and that we make a strong political case for it. Well, 
One was at the Brandenburg Gate, the other was at the Bundestag. I'm delighted to say, look, they're back together again. The dynamic duo leading our coverage as well. Jeff and Annette, let me hand it over to you both, who uh, looks like it's a very clement day there for you both. Uh, it's actually uh, quite a nice morning here, Steve, and um, a little against the expectations because the early forecasts were that we would get cloudy weather and that seemed like a very good metaphor for the outcome of this election in reality. Uh, it did seem as though um, we were going to see uh, perhaps a decisive shift in leadership to the centre-left. At this point, though, with the results as they stand, it's really not clear what the outcome of any negotiations, once they're embarked upon, is actually going to be. I think usefully maybe should I talk about the three scenarios that seem to be most likely at the moment. It's the idea of a grand coalition, which, quite frankly, nobody wants at this stage. And then we're into the flags. Uh, and I say we're into the flags because we're now talking about the potential Jamaica coalition. So, so let me just explain this for a moment. The SPD uh, could launch a uh, so-called traffic light alliance with the yellow liberal FDP and the Greens, while the black CDU could form the Jamaica coalition uh, with the Greens and the FDP. Uh, talks could start as early as today with FDP. DP leader Christian Lindner suggesting his party could speak to the Greens before engaging with the larger parties. But he added uh, overnight the FDP has more in common with the CDU. But would that necessarily hold back a deal that saw the SDP and the Greens and the FDP in a coalition? I don't think so. No, it's actually, I mean, obviously they are now sort of threatening um, also a little bit and they are raising awareness that this time it's actually probably the first time that the little parties might call the shot here. Um, not the first time, but that the normal thing is that the winning party would go and say, listen, the Greens, I would like to talk to you, and then they would talk to the Liberals. But this time around, it seems that the Liberals and the Greens have already warmed up to each other before, because it was quite clear that we might get such a scenario where the small parties are actually calling the shots in the end. And of course, talking about the small party, the third party uh, is the Green Party. They did not realize what they wanted. They wanted, of course, to gain the chancellery and be at least the second most popular party. Um, but still, um, Annalena Baerbock was admitting mistakes also yesterday. And the key question now here in Berlin was as well, um, at least what I've been hearing yesterday um, night after the election results, whether she actually will stay in power, or whether Habeck will not um, yet sort of be the next party leader because Annalena Baerbock apparently and obviously did not fulfill what she wanted to do. So take a listen. I don't think we can just celebrate tonight. For the first time in this federal republic, we have stepped up to shape this country as a leading force. We wanted more, but we didn't achieve it. This was also due to our own mistakes at the beginning of the election campaign, own mistakes of mine. But we also stand here tonight and say, this time it wasn't enough yet, but we have a mandate for the future. So as we have pointed out, also the Liberals count themselves as kingmaker in the looming coalition talks. I caught up with the chief whip, Florian Tonka, yesterday night and uh, asked him how long those coalition talks might last. 
one good aspect of today's uh, outcome is that uh, a left coalition, including uh, the, um, the far left uh, links party, is probably has probably no uh, majority. So that facilitates things a lot, I think, and it's a good outcome also for um, the international community because uh, we can grant whatever the outcome of the coalition talks will be, it will be a coalition um, of uh, partners who are uh, pro-NATO, um, uh, pro-European uh, Union. Uh, and uh, this is, I think, the a positive aspect which is already granted. Um, and the rest, all the other aspects, uh, will be discussed, will be negotiated. Uh, and this may last weeks or even months. In any case, we will be the kingmaker of a future government. So how do you feel about that? Well, we see that this uh, is a special responsibility for the Free Democrats. Um, probably, um, uh, any, in, indeed, any government will require that we um, approve it, that we will uh, be part of it. And we, of course, um, we are looking forward to um, influencing German politics the way our country goes uh, from government. But uh, at the same time, we know that the challenges are enormous, that during the last years of the term of Angela Merkel, many things have not been solved, which we should have solved for, for a long time already. So we, we will face enormous uh, pressure, enormous challenges, uh, and we will have to do quite a lot to bring Germany back on track. And I think that's a very interesting point, that as we look at Germany's position at the moment, I think everybody acknowledges that there is a lot of work to be done, whether that's around infrastructure and digitization, or, or whether it's about Germany supporting the EU in coming back together post-Brexit. So there are so many uncertainties uh, kicking around at the moment that obviously need the government to refocus on policy but right now we're just waiting ultimately to see how the coalition negotiations begin and, and what happens from here on in. But are there any certainties that we can take away from this for the business community and for the economy as a whole? I, I'm pleased to bring Karsten Brzezewski into the conversation here, the uh, chief European economist at ING. Very early doors, I know, but are there any certainties that we can give our audience about what next for business, what next for the euro, how will the German economy fare under this uh, new shift? Yeah, I think the one certainty that we do have is that the tail risk that some thought could happen, that we get a left-wing coalition, so the SPD together with the Greens and the left-wing party, so this is no longer possible. So instead of possible five coalitions, we only have three coalitions theoretically possible. So this is clearly one tail risk out. Um, I think what we also will see that they have to compromise, so you can give it a positive or a negative spin. So let's, the negative would be Germany never changes. Everything will remain the same. The positive spin is that we will probably have the two opposition parties joining the next government and they will have an interest to actually you know, um, deliver promises to their voters and these are the Greens and the Liberals focusing on climate change, focusing on digitalization and more investment. So this could clearly give a boost to the German economy. I think the negative side of all these coalition talks will be that the Eurozone Further European integration will probably be sacrificed because here the smaller um, 
parties are clearly on extreme outer ends of what is possible. The Greens are more federalists for Europe and the FDP would li rather like to return to the no bailout clause. Is it possible for us to say with some certainty that because of the CDU-CSU vote collapse that Germany has taken a slight step to the left? Is that possible at this stage? Well, or is even not, that too soon? Not really, because if you look, you could also see the, actually the center has become smaller because the, the former Grand Coalition is now at 50%. Uh, let me jump in here and ask you about what you think with what that potential coalition, because clearly the liberals will play a role in whatever kind of coalition, uh, apart from the Grand Coalition, obviously, um, will mean for the tax development in the country. I think what you already mentioned, so we have the Liberals being the natural ally to the CDU and the Greens being the natural ally to the SPD. Um, so it's still hard to square these things really together. Someone will have to compromise and I don't see that the Liberals would actually agree to higher taxes. So I think what, we, what will be given is that there won't be any changes to the fiscal debt break. Um, so there will rather be some workarounds, maybe in the form of a small fund for Germany, a special purpose vehicle. Um, and, uh, and, and the SPD and the Greens will have to find other ways to finance their social agenda, their social economic agenda, and rather than hiking taxes. In terms, in terms of ministries, what do you think? I mean, it's very early still, but um, do you think we can count Christian Lindner as the next finance minister in any of these freeway coalitions? Well, I guess the odds that he will get it are increasing. Um, but this, uh, this has to do more as with the fact that the Liberals walked away in 2017 and has to do with the fact that the Liberals, the last time they were in a coalition, did not take the Ministry of Finance but went for foreign affairs and were defeated afterwards. They didn't even return to Parliament. So I think the Liberals will make this as a, a, well, a, as a promise or a requirement to join the next government only if they were to get the Finance Ministry. Where does that leave us uh, with Europe then? Because there are lots of questions as to uh, where we go on the Growth and Stability Pact and ultimately is this an outcome that will strengthen the EU with Germany playing a more prominent role in that? It leaves us in France. Because um, right. the thing is, what, what, what this means is Germany will never be anti-European. So also any next government will be pro-Europe but they will not necessarily be pro more European integration or a whatever, a permanent Eurozone budget or Eurobonds or um, any other kind of transfer. So I think this means that Germany will continue rather playing a passive role in this discussion on the reform of the stability pact of the fiscal rules and will rather leave other countries like the French, go ahead. And this means, as we have to wait then for the French presidential elections next year, um, that there is a vacuum. So don't expect any significant changes to the fiscal rules. It'll, everything will stick as it is. Also, Olaf Scholz, if he were to become the next chancellor, said there is no need to actually change the fiscal rules. So what I would expect, any next German government being open for more fiscal stimulus, mm. they will not be open for changing the rules of the game but they rather become a bit more flexible and allowing for some exceptions further down the road. But we know that a line has already been stepped over with the pandemic 
fundraising on the Commission's own behalf, that 750 billion euros. Are, are you suggesting that that's it, that we will not see Germany green light further significant fundraising on the Commission's behalf? I think we will see Germany allowing for further one-offs. But Germany will be extremely reluctant to really put this on paper and say we change the rules of the game because then you're going to lose voters. Uh, so what they will do, they will become extremely pragmatic and allow for overshooting, maybe allow for a small investment budget at the national level per member state. So all these things are possible. Don't, don't expect really a fundamental overhaul of the rules. Uh, let us talk a bit about defense spending, because clearly that was a big topic as well in the in the campaign. And I just was listening to Annalena Baerbock um, on Saturday, where she was talking about an active approach in Germany's defense policy going forward. And of course, she wants to have the, the foreign ministry. But what can we, yeah, what's that, an active approach to the, Germany's defense policy under a green uh, foreign minister? Well, we, we, we saw that the Greens last time they were in government between 1998 and, uh, and then 2005, uh, they also actually allowed Germany to enter the, uh, the, the Gulf War. Um, so what is very active means at least not being as opposing further defense spending like the left-wing party did, because this was one of the risk scenarios I think people were afraid of if we were to get a left-wing a government, how can they square it? How can they agree on any uh, kind of defense spending? Well, whether this means that Germany under a some kind of green involvement will really stick to the 2% um, uh, well, benchmark and def defense spending, I doubt it. Um, but I think the positive thing about the Greens is they always advocated a more active role of Germany in international institutions, um, be, be it NATO, be it the European Union. Um, so I think mm. this new government, whatever it will look like, will clearly take a, a proactive role globally, unfortunately not on further Eurozone integration. And uh, when it comes to North Stream, just moving on to Russia, because clearly we're seeing prices spiking, we're having a gas crisis in Europe, and things would be probably a lot better if we were to open that pipeline. So do you think we'll get it done quickly? I don't think we're going to get it done quickly. In all honesty, I don't even think that we're going to get a new government quickly. I still think <laughs> that Angela Merkel will be the longest sitting chancellor. And to make this, she will have to hang in there until the 17th of December. Um, and, and then and it's going to be these coalition talks, if they ever start, are becoming extremely complicated. We can all see, I think, agreements on, on headlines. But when it comes to the nitty-gritty details, like you said, so how do you finance the energy transition? Mm. Will you open up to Russia or not? Um, there the FDP and the Greens will really have a hard time to agree on, on these details. L let's wrap it up then just with uh, a focus on uh, maybe how our investing audience might think about the implications for, for different asset classes here. Um, is this a clear positive for the euro? this outcome? Is this a clear positive for bond investors, given what you've said about perhaps limitations on further borrowing? Is this a clear signal, a positive signal for maybe auto sector investors because it slows perhaps the pace of the energy transition? I, I think it, it is a clear signal that, that uh, Germany has woken up to the reality that it has to do something. 
that there are so many, let's say, eco economic construction areas which have to be speeded up very quickly. Um, it, it also means there won't be any harsh or U-turn change. So this is all always good uh, because investors never like abrupt changes. Um, it also means that there will not be an abrupt change um, to austerity. So this is clearly good for, uh, for, for bond investors. It will be a very smooth, subtle transition to this next government. Um, but honestly, in all honesty, there still re remains the risk that we end up with this grand coalition no one wants to see, yes. uh, that we might even end up in, in snap elections if everything fails. So it's un unimaginable in Germany, but you cannot rule it out completely. So this means there will be some risks of how this whole thing plays out. Well, snap elections. You're, you're the first person I've heard say that so far. But Carsten, thank you so much. Good to see you this morning. You're welcome. Uh, Carsten Brzezinski joining us from uh, ING. Um, so, uh, Steve, let me let me send it back to you. But I just want to make the point that uh, stay with us if you can for our full coverage this morning. Joe Kayser uh, will be joining us from Siemens Energy, the chairman of Siemens Energy, and a man who knows his way around the business world here in Germany, of course. So we're very much looking forward to that conversation in just a moment. Yeah, looking forward to that after the break, Jeff. Thank you very much indeed. And for more reaction plus analysis on the fallout from the German elections, check out the Squawk Box podcast. Right, coming up on the show, as you've just heard, Germany wrestling uh, with the fallout from its election results. Europe looks for a new leader to guide it through the coming challenges. Well, it might come from outside of Germany, of course, that new leader, maybe even uh, from Paris, who knows? But we'll have plenty more coming up next. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. Let's take a look at the market action. It was a choppy old day of trade Friday session as investors again stewed around the Fed are wondering when the next rate hike or the first rate hike will come on the back of this crisis. So effectively, the change in uh, some of the Fed language this week, the movement we've seen on U.S. Treasury markets has just put a little bit of nerves back into the markets. And you've seen it on that Treasury yield, but it's been reflected in stock trades too. We finally snapped positive on some of the major markets for the down for the S&P by the close of trade. But the Nasdaq's still weak and that's where the concentration of concerns are around any higher interest rate environment down the track. It's technology stocks now where you've seen that caution come back into the mix, but a bunch of other factors in the mix as well. Don't forget this week, uh, the US fiscal policy will be in focus. The House of Representatives due to vote on the uh, the, uh, $1. Uh, the $1 trillion infrastructure bill this week. Also a deadline on funding uh, federal agencies. So big ticket items when it comes to politics this week. But the mark will be closely also focused on Jay Powell, who will be speaking on Tuesday and Wednesday. So plenty for investors at this stage. But uh, we've got the usual COVID fears in the backdrop, not to mention what's playing out in the oil markets. And let's just switch over to WTI and Brent. The uh, shortages that we're witnessing has meant uh, some big oil made are drawing down on inventory. That's put a bid back into the price for WTI and Brent. And if you think about where we started out 
the trading month on Brent. We were closer to about the $72 mark. We've now escalated past 79 Some of the forecasts from the likes of Goldman Sachs, they've adjusted their targets now for the year, end of the year, to $90 a barrel from 80 So you are seeing that pressure come to bear in oil markets at this stage. Asia. And this is a starting point to China has been one of the dominant themes for markets too amid concerns around Everground and whether there could be contagion risk for markets. You think about where we wrapped up Shop Friday, that uh, was a dominant theme for markets. 1.3% down for the Chinese market so far. You can see modestly higher for Australia and for Hong Kong, flat for the Japanese market. And the opening calls, all eyes on Germany too today as we begin the trade this morning as we see the wrap up and uh, how investors are going to position around the election result. Uh, as we keep pointing out in the coverage this morning, still early days as we talk about negotiating with potential coalition partners. But so far, 77 to the upside on the DAX and right across European markets, we are set for a firmer day of trade. Steve. Right. So the US President Joe Biden has complimented the SPD, calling it, quote, solid uh, when he was told the party was projected to win the German election. When we say win, of course, uh, that, that is a, a big word when you consider how much negotiation still uh, to come. Uh, amongst the major parties. Right. European leaders, meanwhile, are yet to react to the result. Charlotte joins us now to discuss what we can expect. Good morning, Charlotte. Good morning, Steve. As you said, no official reaction just yet uh, from Paris, but there's no doubt that they're watching closely this election. You know, the Franco-German relation, of course, is key for the European uh, Union. And while um, and, and a sign of this is that both uh, Armin Laschet and Olaf Scholz have been in Paris and met President Macron in the past couple of weeks as part of their campaigning. Now, everything opposed Merkel and Macron when they first had to work together, whether it was age, political experience, a style, one was conservative, one disruptive, uh, one prudence, one was impatient and yet it was a surprisingly strong alliance between the two leaders despite a couple of episodes that were more tense and this all culminated uh, of course in the COVID recovery fund that was presented by the two leaders in May 2020 as seen as a very defining moment for both countries and for uh, the EU. Now Paris is confident that they can work with whoever with uh, Mr. Olaf or Mr. Laché whoever wins in the end uh, to become the leader of uh, Germany. They know both men, they work with both in particular Olaf Scholz who's already finance minister and uh, the French government already knows closely. Now what France is thinking is that this is also an opportunity to raise France's profile within the EU and President Macron's uh, stature as well now that Angela Merkel is uh, stepping away. So they hope that a new coalition can be in place before January 2022 because France will have the rotating EU presidency then and they want to push forward this, their um, um, strategic autonomy agenda that President Macron has been pushing very hard for. And of course there is also an opportunity for President Macron to push his own profile because he is himself facing his own re-election in April 2022 for in the presidential race. So he hopes that this can be an opportunity to raise his profile and France's influence within the EU. Some northern countries might be slightly nervous about this. But look, no matter what happens, they know that the Franco-German alliance is key there because they don't decide everything within the EU. But of course, if both countries are not behind an idea, then nothing will be done within the EU. So very interesting there to see the dynamic that this can be and how this can be an opportunity for President Macron and France to raise their profile within the EU. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to CNBC.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.